Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? I'm so excited to be speaking to everyone here at the League City campus. As if you don't know me, my name is Nick Sauceda. I am the campus pastor here. My wife, she did an amazing job today doing transitions all by herself. I'm so proud of her. She crushed it. Uh, man, I'm just so excited to be here in the house today with every single one of you. I'd like to welcome all of our online guests as well, uh, for those of you who are watching. And uh, man, I'm just, my heart is so full right now in this moment. Um, this is the first time that I get to speak live here at League City, and I'm so excited about that. God's been doing some great things here at Life Church Leaks at the League City campus. And uh, well, before we get into it, I just kind of want to tell you the backstory uh, of, of what happened this week. It's kind of funny. Uh, so my wife was like, babe, remind me to tell you this dream that I had about you. I said, okay, great. And so, well, we got caught up in the busyness of the day. And the next day I said, hey, you told me to, to, to have you mention the dream that you had about me. And, and, and so she said, oh boy. And I said, oh no, here we go. So she said, well, it was a Sunday morning. And I said, here, oh no, it's, it's starting off good. She said, and you were preaching in front of the congregation. You were preaching to the congregation. And uh, she said, well, one, you went really short. I said, okay, well, that's not too bad. You know, that's, that's you know. And she said, and two, for some reason, you felt the need to just start rapping for the church. And so I can promise you that that's not going to happen today. Um, it's either going to be short, but I am definitely not rapping for you guys today. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yeah, let's give a hand clap. Praise God. <laughs> So when it comes to marriage, dating, and even friendships, culture is constantly changing. You and I both know that. It's, it's just, it's a whirlwind. Uh, but God doesn't, amen. He stays the same. As Pastor Kendra said, he is our constant, you know, when the world is so, he's, he's consistent when the world is inconsistent. His word and his design should be the foundation of all of our relationships you know, our, our, series, our, our, our theme verse for this series, Family Values, last week we talked about having a generational mentality or having a, a generational mindset. And if you have your notes, why don't you hold those up? Yeah, let me see those of you who have your notes. And if you need notes, uh, you put your hands down. Those who don't have notes, raise your hands. That way we can see and make sure that you get today's sermon notes. Uh, but the series, uh, what the verse for this series is found in Jeremiah 6, 16. I'll give us a couple of seconds to make sure that we're good to go. Jeremiah 6, 16 says, This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the, paint, for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. We know that those ancient paths are simply God's way of living. They are his way of doing things. And we all have a crossroads moment. I promised myself that I would get that word right today. Uh, if you were here last week, you know what I'm talking about. But we all have a crossroads moment. We all have to stand at those crossroads 
and make a choice, right? We have two choices that we can make. Is it going to be our own way or is it going to be God's way? Are we going to live the way culture tells us to or, or the agendas of culture? Are we going to live that way according to the way the world does? Or are we going to do it God's way? You see, it doesn't matter that the world around us is constantly changing, right? We see that technology is always changing. I'm a September baby. Any September babies in the house? And I know there for a while, there was, there were, they would announce a new iPhone every September, every year. And I remember trying to keep up with that, and I'm just like, this is just way too much. Right? Amen. Do, do, do I have anyone who... I, Elvin, thank you, Elvin. I appreciate you, sir. But I remember every year just trying to keep up with that, and I was like, this is just way too much. It's always changing. There's all, they're always going to add by the time. There's going to be 20 cameras on the back of that thing before you know it. Right? Politics are changing. The social climate is always changing. But we know that God's ways are still the best. God's ways of living, those ancient paths, when you walk in them and you don't stray, you discover the best life you can ever live. God's ways are tried and true. They never fail. And God's, uh, the best life that we could ever live is the life that God has for us. Amen. Is it, a, it is a life that is full of peace. It is a life that is full of joy and purpose and fulfillment. fulfillment. There is no one else who can make you feel fulfilled than God, right? There's no one who can fill that void in our hearts like God can. Can I get an amen? amen? So last week, we talked about living with a generational mindset, taking what we personally receive from God and passing it on to others intentionally, right? Sharing those God moments. So today's message, if you have the notes, you see that this is week two of our family value series. And today's message is called Hope for Hurting Marriages. Maybe you are at a crossroads in your marriage, or, or maybe you are trying to navigate some difficult things in your marriage, or just, in, or just life in general, right? Like Pastor Bryce said, if, if, if you're married or, or not, it, we can apply these uh, practices to every area of our life. Maybe you are newly married and still learning. I know yesterday there was a couple here that was married for like four months. There was another that was married about six months. Or maybe you've been married for a while, but... You feel like maybe that fire has gone out or the love has run out. Or maybe you are single. Where are my single people? Raise your hands. All right. Look around. That's what you have to work with. Uh, if you don't like what you see, we have two other campuses. We've got Houston and Friendswood. Uh, I don't want you to go there. I'd love for you to stay here with us, but I'm just throwing that out there. But my prayer for you today is that whatever stage of life you're in, whether you're married whether you're engaged, whether you're dating or, or single, that you can somehow apply these to those relationships. Amen. So before we look at scripture, we're going to paint a big picture to you to see what God intended for marriage. And, and we're going to talk about the reality of the world that we live in and just how messed up it is. So between 40 to 50 percent of all marriages end in divorce here in the U.S. alone. Uh, we took that elite a little further and, and took a deeper dive, and, and, and we found that in 2021, the University of Connecticut did a study, and they found that Christians who attend church regularly have a divorce rate of 38%. We also see that almost 60% of divorces that happen in the U.S. are due to daily arguing. No infidelity, no physical abuse, no foul play, for lack of better words, none of that. It's just they simply cannot get along with each other. 
Professor's House magazine describes divorce as a way to improve your life or to get out of an uncomfortable situation or to escape a toxic relationship. They present it to us as a solution, as a way to, to, to make our lives better. And we see that clearly there is a problem and that marriages in our culture today are failing. So if today we're going to talk about hope for hurting marriages, we should look to those ancient paths. We should look to that scripture. We should turn to the word of God. Where better to look than the very beginning when God created man and woman and he joined them together. So we're going to go to Genesis uh, chapter 1. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. And that is probably the one and only commandment that we've been able to keep and fulfill, right? <laughs> rule, over the fish in the, in, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You see, man and woman were created in the image of God, not individually, but together they complete the image of God. Amen. From the moment God created man and woman, he intended for them to be united for a purpose. Together, man and woman can reflect the image of God to the world. Amen. Genesis 2, through 24 says, then the Lord made God. I'm sorry, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother. Let me rephrase it. That is why a man should leave his father and mother and is united to his wife. All those parents are like, amen to that. Praise God. And they become one flesh. When we hear the word united, as we read in that last verse, we think of it as a one-time event or, or a singular act or, or as just a moment in time where two become one and that's it, right? Okay, that, that event is over, it's done, now we're one. But we're going to dig in, we're going to take a di- uh, dive into that word united, and we find that the root word for united is debak. And I think they're going to put that up there. If not, you can spell that D-A-B-A-Q. Debak, which means to cling to or to adhere to or to catch by pursuit, to pursue hard with affection and devotion. And, and, and we can find several examples of that word debak and how it's used in other places of Scripture. So we're going to go to Psalm 63, 8. And this version of united or debak means to follow close behind. The Scripture says, I will follow close behind you. There is a saying that goes that, 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 that a rabbi, as he, would walked around, as he walked around, that his followers would walk so close behind him that as he would walk, his feet would kick up dirt and would stick to their clothes. That's, that's how close they were behind their rabbi. We find in Judges, uh, we see in Judges 20, 45, it says that they pursued hard after them. Another uh, representation of that, word, of that word united or You see, this is the picture that God gives us of marriage, of what it means for a man and a woman to be united as he intended from the very beginning. He wants us to cling to one another and to pursue hard with affection and devotion, and he wants us to follow closely. I'm going to tell you a little personal story here. I can tell you that when Kendra and I started dating, I pursued her with 
affection and devotion. And, and I made every effort I could to spend time with her and to get to know her better. As a matter of fact, before leading up to our first date, actually when we had first met, we met at the gym. I guess you can say it worked out. <laughs> But I met her there at the gym, and she worked at the uh, she worked at the front desk there. And 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 uh, and if you talk to some of our close friends, she would say you they would say that she was the one who pursued me. But but your boy was just playing the long game. I was just playing, you know, the the sweet, humble, you know. Uh, but I remember finding any excuse I could to hang out by that front desk. You know, on my, on my way out, you know, I had my bag with me, and I always kept, you know, the supplements in the bag, and I had my protein and everything I needed. But even though I had that, I would always make my way back to that front desk so that I could buy a protein shake <laughs> and spend a couple extra minutes there just getting to know her a little better, you know. And then eventually that led to a, an exchange of phone numbers, and we began to text and talk, and, 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 and you, know, you know what it's like, right? Sharing what you had in common. We would send songs to each other. There were a couple artists you, that y'all might not be aware of. Their names are Jimmy Needham and, and Phil Wickham. And, we'd, and, and at the time, we loved them. And, and we would always just share those songs with each other. And uh, I remember our first date. Oh, goodness. Our first date, um, I actually remember what she wore that, 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 that day. I, I, came, I went by her, to her house, picked her up. She was wearing a blue and white striped shirt. And it was either three-quarter length sleeve or it was a long sleeve that she had pulled up. Right, she had khaki shorts, she had white tennis shoes on, and she had this horseshoe necklace that she used to wear. And her hair at the time was a little short, so she had it put pulled like in a bun or maybe a ponytail. She's like, you remember that? She probably doesn't even remember what she wore that day. But that's just how much that moment meant to me, right? So we ended up going to the Japanese food festival, and I did not check the weather. It wouldn't have mattered because at that time, you know, I was in a stage of life, and... Uh, you know, the church that I was attending, it was kind of frowned upon to wear shorts out in public. So whether it was going to be a scorcher or whether it was going to be cold, your boy was going to be in jeans. So I was miserable, but that didn't matter to me because I was with her. And, and you know, long story short, that led to another date, which led to another date, which led to another date. And now here we are almost seven years later, married, have two beautiful girls. And I'm so thankful for that. But I was intentional about it. As a young man, I made a promise that, that the next relationship I went into would be intentional and, and it would be the next, it would be the person that I married. Now, she, not, she may not have thought the same thing since it took me, uh, it took us four years of dating to finally propose. And, um, and, and I had actually bought the ring and I had held on to it for a while before I proposed. Um, but I remember leading up to that moment when I finally did propose that I was literally suffering from migraines and just really bad headaches because of all the just the stress and just everything that led up to it. Uh, but my intention was to marry her. I, I pursued her and I spent every minute possible with her. And, and, and there may be some couples here today as, as I reflect back on on Kendra and I's time together, you know, of us dating and, and it leading up to us finally being married and, and uh, making a family of our, 
of our own. But there may be some couples here today that as I've talked about how we are to pursue with affection and devotion and to cling to one another, you've probably thought to yourself, man, I remember those days. But you know what? Those days are long gone and they're definitely not going to happen anymore. Or, or you know what? He doesn't or she doesn't pursue me that way anymore. Or, or I remember when once upon a time we felt that way and, and, and it slowly started to fade out. You know, the fire has maybe gone out or, or the passion has faded But you see, in the long run, to have a marriage that lasts and a love that doesn't run out, it requires discipline and devotion. And those are just as important as emotions and as as those emotions and those feelings that we feel at the very beginning of those relationships, right? You see, that's what laziness is. Laziness, and I'm stepping on my own uh, toes here as I say this, laziness is a lack of discipline, right? It's a lack of, of devotion to something. So let me ask you a question. What areas of your life can you become consistently lazy in and see improvement? In your health? I mean, you're, I mean, you're not going to see your boy throw down uh, number five with grilled jalapenos on Texas toast <laughs> every day for two weeks before running Ima's 5K and expect to run it under 25 minutes, right? It's just not going to happen. I mean, there might be some of you in here who can do that, but not me. I, I'm, not, I'm not that good. Yeah. You know, you're, I, th- I think about, you know, uh, the housework, the yard, you know, you have to maintain that. There, there's, there's maintenance that requires for you to keep the house looking good, to keep those crispy edges along the yard that dads love so much. You just pull up to the house and you're just like, ah, oh, that feels good. That looks so good. You know, my favorite thing, light bulbs. Oh, yes, light bulbs. Yes. Praise God. You know, not your career, you know. Uh, you can't just show up to work late every day, do the bare minimum, and then expect for your boss to walk in and say, you know what, I'm going to give you a raise. I've seen all the effort that you've been putting in to sleep in and do nothing, and here's more money. That's not going to happen, right? So why do we think it's different for marriage? Right? Maybe your marriage hasn't run out of love. Maybe you've, maybe you've become a little lazy when it comes to the pursuit of your spouse. You know, they, they say getting a divorce because you've fallen out of love is like getting rid of your car because it ran out of gas, right? Maybe you haven't grown apart as you've gotten older. Uh, maybe you've gotten lazy and no longer cling to one another the way Scripture talks about. You know, we all go into marriage full of good intentions, right? No one goes into marriage thinking, man, I'm going to do my best for the first year and then and then wish her the best after year after year one and say, you know what? Thank you for the experience. I had fun. The trial, you know, period is over. Uh, see you later. All right? No, no one's going to do that, right? We go into marriage full of good intentions. We go, we walk into marriage with, with dreams and aspirations of what that marriage, what that godly marriage is going to look like. But somewhere along the way, we stop putting those good intentions into practice, right? Maybe in the beginning, we were full of good intentions and we were full of those lovey-dovey emotions and feelings. But along the way, we failed to develop discipline and devotion. You see, we have great intentions. I believe that with my whole heart. But somewhere along the way, we stopped turning those intentions into action. So today we're going to talk about three practical ways in, we find in Scripture to close that gap between intentions and actions. And if you're following along in your notes, I want you to say this with me. When you think something good, say it. Let's say that again. When you think something good, 
say it. And this is probably the hardest one for me because I am such a head case when it comes to speaking words of encouragement to my wife because I'm afraid of how she might receive it. And I start to play these own little, you know, scenarios in my own mind. And in all honesty, that's not fair to her to to think or to assume how she's going to react to what, you know, maybe it's something that God has given to me to share with her, right? Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. I like how it says that. As long as it is called today, encourage one another daily. And then it goes on to say, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You see, the thing about sin's deceitfulness is that it can cause animosity towards one another, right? Unsaid things can leave room for the enemy to infiltrate your marriage, right? Maybe she's waiting for you to just for that moment of encouragement, or maybe he's waiting for that moment of encouragement. And when you don't speak it, man, his, your, your spouse's mind is probably going crazy. It can cause you to blame the other person for all of your problems. I'm going to start with the men here. Sorry, guys. Men, pursue your wife with words of affection, non-sexual affection. Let me say that again, non-sexual affection. Some of you may be thinking, what is non-sexual affection? Well, that is affection that is not sexual, all right? Showing her affection without expecting to receive something in return, right? If you are only showing affection when you want something from her, then it, 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 at that point it becomes self-serving. Yep. And I'm preaching to myself here, guys. It comes across as insincere. Yep. You know, and, and so I took the time the other day, and as she was, I probably caught her at a bad time, but I, I asked her to tell me the ways that I make her feel like I am pursuing her. And these are some of the answers she gave me. She said, words of affirmation. And sometimes you just need, again, when you think something special, say it. Just say it. Just say it. You know, holding her hand, giving her a hug, just stopping to give her a hug, just stopping to hold her hand. You know, when I give her my full attention and actively listen, guys, actively listen, when she wants to have a conversation, not when I'm on my phone and I'm just like, you know, winding down from a long day and I'm just there scrolling while she's talking to me, not watching TV or or not while I'm focused on my own thing. It reminds me of a joke about this man between and, and his coworker. He said, you know what, I was, I was sitting on the couch the other day, and, and my wife said, she turned to me and said, are you even listening to me? And he said, I, I thought to myself, man, that's a funny way to start a conversation, isn't it? <laughs> there you go, there you go. Acts of service, you know, when I do my part with the kids, when, when I see her needs, and I, and I meet those needs before she even asks for help, like, like when I'm getting our little girl's ready for the day. Nora and Eleanor, they are incredible. They are four and two. When I do bath time with them, and I found out that I get double points when I wash and condition their hair. Yeah, <laughs> if you've ever had a wash and condition a little girl's hair, especially when it's as thick and curly as theirs, you know what you're getting yourself into. But remember, those brownie points do expire after midnight, so they don't roll over. You have to do it again and again and again. And one thing I, 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 I encourage you men to practice is to tell your, your spouse that, that I love you. And, and not just I love you, but follow it with because. I love you because you're my best friend. I love you because you encourage me, because you pray for me. I love you because you have sacrificed so much for me, for our girls, for our family. And that's how it's done. Mm-hmm. That's 
So fill in the blank with something genuine and different over time, and you'll see the incredible things that God does in your marriage just through that simple, practical thing that I just mentioned to you guys. Men, we are called to love our wives the way Christ loved the church. Amen. We know that Christ died for the church. We know that he laid his life down for the church, and he put the church before himself. We see in 1 Peter 3, 7, and I believe that's on your notes as well, how serious God is about the way we pursue and we treat our our, our wives. It says, in the same way, you husbands must live with your wives with a proper understanding that they are more delicate than you. Treat them with respect because they also will receive together with you God's gift of life. They are equal to you in God's kingdom. Do this so that nothing will interfere with your prayers. That, that last sentence there. Do this so that nothing will interfere with your prayers. God's word is saying that if we don't love our wives the way he intends us to, our prayers to him can and will be hindered. I don't know about you, but I don't want my prayers to be hindered, right? Ladies, I'm moving on to you now. Pursue your husband with words of affirmation. I know sometimes we can walk around with this type of bravado that, yeah, we're, we're, we're calm, cool, and collected like we have it all together. Man, I am a nervous mess right now. But you know what? If, if Kendra were to tell me, babe, you're doing good, babe. You know, there, there you go. Thank you. I love you. But chances are is that he's battling some kind of insecurity. Some, he's dealing with some type of self-doubt. Or, or, or maybe he's being hard on himself with, with some negative self-talk. Here's a secret. He will become whatever you call out in him. Now, if Kendra were calling out, you know, if Kendra always calls out the good things she sees in me, I am going to gravitate to becoming that kind of man. Amen. Amen. If she speaks to the man that she envisions me being, I will become that man. When Kendra builds me up, I am motivated to be the man she sees. Now, on the flip side of that, if, 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 if you constantly point out the ways that, that he fails, he will gravitate towards that as well, yeah. right? Or the ways that you disappoint her or the ways that you're not good enough, that is the man that you will become. You see, for us men, uh, it's been found that, that we want to be respected more than we want to be loved. Or, or, or maybe we feel loved through being respected, yeah. right? If we feel confident that we have your respect, that you admire us, and that you are proud of us and believe in us, there's nothing that we won't do for you. If we don't feel respect from the person we love the most, it can completely destroy our confidence and our willpower. I know at the end of, you know, after service, I'm always like, hey, how did I do? Give me, give me something. Did I look cool at least? Like, like how did I do? Did I, did I say anything silly? You know, because those, those words mean so much and they hold so much weight for me and in my life. Here's another little secret, ladies. Next time your husband says, you know what? Let's go to church. You tell him, I love the way you lead this family. I love it when you say, you know what? Let's go to church. You know, the next time your husband prays over the food or the Thanksgiving meal, you know, and and it could be the worst prayer that you've ever heard. (laughs) It could be the first time they've prayed over the meal. You know, if if they do that, you know, just lean over and encourage him and maybe even throw in a, you know what? I, I I love that prayer, baby. I, I think I felt the Holy Spirit. I, I think I felt him. I think I felt him. And, and don't be surprised if, if, if next year, if he prays over the turkey, if he's praying over that turkey in tongues. I mean, don't be surprised if that happens. Just en- encourage, you know, words of affirmation. Proverbs 21.9 says, It is better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. 
And the funny thing about that scripture, it was King Solomon who wrote that proverb, and he had about 5,000 wives. Maybe he was the one who was trying to, maybe he was trying to find that one that wasn't quarrelsome, right? I, I don't know, but, but I just thought that was a little funny. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe your husband is hard to believe in, and I want to speak to that. Maybe your husband is hard to believe in, or, or, or maybe he truly isn't leading well. I, I just want to encourage you that to, to encourage what you like rather than pointing out what you don't like. You'd be surprised at, at the progress that your relationship can make if you just begin to speak those words of life into him and begin to encourage him and begin to lift him up and build him up to be the, the man of God that he is called to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. So men, pursue her with words of affection. And ladies, pursue him with words of affirmation. So when you think something good, say it. Say it. Amen. Now we're moving on to point number two. When you think something special, do it. Yes. James 4.17, as plain as day, says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. It might sound a little extreme, but, but if you know of ways that you can love your spouse better, if you know of ways that you can serve your spouse better or minister to your spouse better, if you are aware of things that you need to do to make your marriage stronger and healthier and you are not doing it, I would dare say that it is a sin. If Kendra were sick and I had the cure to that disease, would I keep that from her? Absolutely not. I would share that with her, right? Hey. <laughs> Praise God. We can see that dynamic through the way Christ lived his life. Christ loved the church. He died for the church and he put the church before himself, as I mentioned earlier. So quit sinning and turn those good intentions into actions. Amen. Can we make a promise that if we if we think something special that we're going to do it? You know, I'm not an advocate for Nike. I, I don't work for Nike, but just do it. Right. And, 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 and for someone like me who is always in his own head, you know, sometimes it just takes for me just to do it. You know, just do it and let God handle the rest. Amen. So one, we're going to say it. Two, we're going to do it. And three, when you want something different, be it. If you have that grass is greener mentality, and I know we've all experienced that at one time or another, it's time to take some responsibility for yourself and, and, and do your part, right? It's time to start watering your own grass. Amen. It's time for us to quit blaming each other for the situation that we might be in, right? It's time for us to start to, to stop griping. You're going to want to write this down. Stop griping about what your spouse isn't. And continue to let the Holy Spirit grow you into what you're supposed to be, right? There's sometimes when, 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 when we're dealing with the situation in, 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 in our own lives and, and we think that God needs to change, you know, everything that's going on around us when it's really our hearts that need to be changed, right? God's, God's trying to do a work in us and, and we're so blinded by everything that's going on around us and we try to blame it on everything that's going on around us that we fail to take a step back and realize that it's our own selfish desires in our own hearts that need to be changed by God. Amen. So let God work on him. Let God work on her, but you be something different. Amen. Amen. At this point, I'd like to invite the worship team to come up. I'm not going to rap. Told you. 
And I'm going to speak to the men again. Men, get up and lead. Lead your family toward Jesus. Doesn't mean you have to do a, a, a three-hour Bible study. Right? Like Pastor Jim said, you know, gather, gather around, children. Ooh. It doesn't have to be like that. You know, there, there's a, there, there was a, uh, I was listening to a podcast, and I, I think it was John Bevere, maybe. I'm not too sure. I don't remember. But, but he was talking about how uh, as, when he was a young father, when he was a father, his, his children were much younger. Um, how he would, he's like, oh, we're doing a Bible study every day. Bible study every day. Bible study every day. And, and at this time, at this point in time, his, his kids, his children are much older, and they're sitting in on this podcast with him. And they're like, Dad, they're like, those Bible studies, we don't remember much about those Bible studies, to be honest. I said, but I'll tell you what we do remember. We do remember seeing you pray every day. We do remember you speaking those words of life into us and, and, and seeing you pray and, and praying over us. And we do remember seeing you live out that kind of lifestyle. Men, you should be the ones to initiate prayer. You should be the one to initiate studying scripture. Don't leave it up to life kids to be the primary source of teaching your children. I'm so thankful for life kids and I'm so thankful for our volunteers who serve with our life kids ministry, but we partner with families and teaching them about the love of Christ, but that should all start at home with you. And I'm preaching to myself here with this next point, but but initiate those hard conversations. And my wife's like, amen. <laughs> Initiate those hard conversations. I'm Mr. Non-Confrontational over here, so. So you can know the spiritual temperature of your spouse and of your family, right? How else are you going to know if, if you don't know? It means taking your family to church, not just when it's convenient. You know, not when, not when you're not busy on a, on a weekend. You know, we have student services as well. Bring your kids to student services. We have them every Wednesday night here at League City Campus, at Houston, at Friendswood. You know, every first Wednesday of the night, we have a big gathering for our students here at League City. All three campuses meet up here. And the last Friday of every month, we have our young adult, young adult service here at the League City Campus. You make it a part of your lifestyle, right? There's never a, a, a Saturday where our little girls are like, are, are we going to church tomorrow? Like, it, it, and when they do ask that, it's because it's out of excitement and because they're ready to see all their friends and ready to come to Life Kids. But it should never be a question if we're going to church tomorrow. I get it. Sometimes life, you know, there's there's shift work. I know exactly what that's like. And, and, and there's demanding schedules. And I'm not trying to condemn any of those, you know, people who, who work those very demanding jobs. But Make it a part of your lifestyle. Make every effort you can to bring your family here to church. Lead your family well. You know, I often think to myself, how do families survive alone in a world full of evil? How? how? We, we need a community to be a part of, and that is why you need to join a life group. Get in a group. You know, you can go to life.cc slash life groups right now and you can see all the groups that we have available. And whatever season and stage of life you're in, we, I can promise you we have a group for that. And if we don't, we'll make one. And if you want to lead one, talk to me, talk to Pastor Ben. We would love to get that group going. Yes, it's true. 
Between all three campuses, we've got some marriage groups called the Five Love Languages. We have one at Houston and, and League City. Uh, we have our Love and Respect group. If you're interested in that as well, you can check out all that online. So men, lead. Lead your families well, and you'll be surprised at the multiplication that your wife, that your spouse brings. You see, men lead and women multiply. You, you give them love, and they multiply by giving you children, right? You give them tenderness, affection, and loyalty, and they give you love back in a way that you probably don't deserve, in a way that no man ever deserves. There's something so special about when you love your spouse well. You'll see just the changes that it'll make in your home. You give them problems. Well, I'll let you try that out. You let me know how that works out for you. But you see, we're, we are multipliers. We tend to multiply what's been given to us. You know, naturally, if someone smiles at you, you're going to smile back, right? Unless you're in New York City. They don't, they, don't, they don't smile back there. I remember getting my shoulder dislocated, like just walking on the sidewalk there one time. It's a joke. But if, you, but if, if someone smiles at you naturally, you're going to smile back, right? And if you're driving on the freeway and someone tells you you're number one, you're probably going to reciprocate that with a big <laughs> thumbs up, right? But what I'm trying to get it at, what I'm trying to get at is that we are multipliers, right? Men, ladies, if you don't like what you've been getting, take a step back. Take a step back and look at what you've been giving, right? To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. I'd like at this point, I'd like for the congregation to stand up. I'd like to invite the prayer team. And this next verse that we're about to read, Jesus is talking to a church in Ephesus, a church that this portion of scripture says that has fallen out of love with him. And if you read that same chapter, you'll see that later on, Jesus even goes to say that he says, you don't, you don't love me like you used to love me. How many of us I've ever said that or maybe thought that, you know, about our spouses. Like, you know what? They don't, they don't love me the way they used to. They don't, they don't see me the way they used to. They don't value me the way they used to when we first fell in love. How many of you remember when you first fell in love? Not just with your spouse, but with Jesus, right? Because we can apply this to every area of our lives. So Revelations 2, 5 says, remember the height from which you have fallen. Remember it. Remember the height. Remember where we were. And you have fallen from that. And he says, repent and do the things you did at first. Now, some of you can relate to that from a spiritual standpoint. Maybe you were close to God before and, and now you're not close to him anymore. I'm calling you to repentance and to do what you used to do when, and when you first fell in love with Jesus. Do you remember that? There is no marriage too far gone for Jesus to heal it. Can I get an amen? amen? Years from now, you can look back and say, because of what God did in my life, because of what God did through my church home, we now have a different spiritual legacy. We now have a generational mentality that is different. It wasn't what the enemy wanted, but it is God's plan. And God's plan is the best plan. Amen. The two will become united and become one. What God joins together, we've all heard this before, let no man separate or put asunder. The Holy Spirit right now is pursuing you. 
And maybe you are that one that Jesus has left the 99 for. And you know that he is pursuing you. He is in pursuit of you. And maybe you need to repent. Maybe your heart is hurting today in this place and and you need to ask God to, to heal that broken heart. So before the worship team leads us into another song, I'd like to pray over you in this moment and pray over those hurting marriages and those marriages that are whole, that God would continue to protect and defend them, that God would keep us vigilant. So with every eye closed, with every head bowed, Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you so much, God, for your word that is true, for your word that is alive, for your word that is always relevant, relevant, God, no matter how crazy the world gets, no matter how crazy the agenda is that the world pushes on us and on our marriages and what marriage should look like, God. But but we thank you, Lord, that your word is remains the same, God. And right now, Lord, we just pray over every hurting heart. We pray over every marriage that is that is hurting, over every marriage that is holding on by a string. Lord, I uh, we come against any spirit of confusion and we come against every spirit, God, uh, uh, of divorce. Lord, I pray, God, that, that, that you would that they would be reminded today, God, that they are forgiven by you, Lord. And that as they are reminded, Lord, that they are forgiven, Lord, that they would be led to a place of repentant God, repentance, Lord, that they would have a repentant heart, Lord. We pray healing over those marriages right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. And we pray a, a prayer over those marriages that maybe they are doing fine. There's nothing wrong. I pray, God, that you would re- that they would remain vigilant. God, I pray, God, that they would keep their eyes on you, that they would keep their hearts on you, Jesus. That they would put you first in everything that they do, Lord. We love you and we thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.